You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. All right, Primal Radio. Tom, we're back. What's up, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. I had to sneak out of work again. I know you did. You guys changed your clocks like a week before we did. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that's about, but uh, they jumped ahead. I didn't even realize that that was going to happen, and it kind of messes up your whole week. And then, good thing, by the way, so when we had a conversation yesterday, the day before, uh, that's when we said, holy, and I asked. Somehow I had a a brainstorm and said, Tom, did you guys move your clocks ahead? So you do, in the UK, you do move your clocks ahead and back then. Yeah, we do, we do. I think we, we probably do it. Next weekend, this weekend, right. something like that. I don't know why we jumped in ahead. Who, who the heck knows? Couple things that we got to guess here. Because you're American, you have to do everything differently. We got. <laughs> well, you know, and you follow, don't you? <laughs> yeah, true, 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 true. But um, so I had we had our big event this past weekend, and I want to congratulate uh, Chuck and Adam uh, for winning at three fighters. Two of them won, and especially Adam Pareto, who's been with me for geez, you know, three or four years. Goddamn, four years. Uh, he had a tremendous fight. He fought for the flyweight title and won a unanimous decision. I will have video out. I think they shipped it to me today. Uh, it was a great fight. It was back and forth, defending great. It was just great. So congratulate to him. And we'll we'll hit up with that when we do the MMA update with Nick Portella. Did you arrange that to happen yet? Probably not, right? No. Way to go. Way to be on top of your game, Dom. <laughs> it's on my to-do list. God damn it. How big is that to-do list? Yeah, it's getting big. It's getting big. But anyway, so here we go. So I'm really excited. I got we have this guest here who is a, a top notch martial art instructor, and it's been a profound influence on my life in in training. He probably doesn't even know that, and I've known him for a long time. And I used to train with this gentleman, and then went about uh, doing different things. He's certified in pretty much everything from JKD to Silat to, to Savat to Muay Thai. His um, bio is probably bigger than mine. So. <laughs> So it's, yeah, but and it's right. So it's, it's amazing. So they say size doesn't matter, but his is far more impressive. But anyway, I'd like to welcome to the show, Sifu Rick Tucci. Rick, how you doing, buddy? Great. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. Well, no, it's and, great. Uh, both of you guys. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. And so here's how I know Rick. So he had a school called Princeton Academy of Martial Arts. That school at that time was the only school like it anywhere. I mean, there was nothing like it. Now you can get something a little bit everywhere at a substandard level. So Rick was the real deal from, from day one. And that's where he had Inosanto there. He had Chai and he has Larry Hartzell. And you know, just the list goes on and on and on of all the guys who Rick has trained with and he's, who he's had through the door. And he was located in Princeton, New Jersey. And so what happened was I'd been doing martial arts my whole life. And it was trying to find a place that I thought I could learn something at. Right. So I'd be, and, and at the time, I don't know if you remember, there was just a regular karate school in every corner. Yeah, not every corner. And really not that good. <laughs> now, I know I didn't know much, but I knew they knew nothing. Yeah. They knew less than me. They just had a belt. You know, I remember getting promoted to orange belt. I was an orange belt. Right. And I, get, I go in the orange belt class 
And and the teacher, at your years before that, goes, well, let's not beat up Jim, you know, because he's just got his orange belt. And I remember going, there's not one of these motherfuckers here who will ever kick my ass because they do one more form than me. That's never going to happen. But anyway, so then I found Princeton Academy of Martial Arts, and it was it was a great school. I don't know how long I was – I'm sure you don't remember because you've trained thousands of people. Yeah. You're right, so you wouldn't even remember. Maybe a year, year, year and a half. I don't know. But really, Rick is a demanding instructor. And that's a good thing. I'm not sure I was ready for that, mm. to be brutally honest. You know, at that time, I, I, upon reflection, I wish I had never left. Uh, but at the time, I was that. And, you know, and when you're a young guy. Yeah, it's you not, were a young guy. Young guy. Right. <laughs> we were young and beautiful <laughs> at one time. You know, so it's a lot, it's a lot of money, too. I had a kid, mm. all that stuff. And, yeah. And uh, I don't, there was nothing that happened. I just kind of stopped going. And, of course, the academy went on for years. And then what had happened was, I'll, I'll, I'll flesh this around, is that years later we met again at the JKD Summit, I remember. Right. And this was in Chicago. So there was Tackett there. You were there. Dwight Woods. I don't even know who else was there. What, a guy from under, under Santo, an Italian gentleman. Oh, um, I can't remember. Uh, yeah. I, uh, it escapes me. Very yeah, nice guy. I know what you mean. <laughs> right, yeah. And so he, they were out there doing JKD and then ran into Rick there. We're talking, and, and the Rick goes, didn't you used to train with me? It was 25 years. Yeah. And, and then we kind of kept in contact throughout the years, and I get to, Rick lives locally for now. But anyway, so that was it, Tom. Wasn't that fascinating? <laughs> yeah, that is good. To the, like I just said, we went out to the JKD Summit, and, we, and then I ran into Rick, and then he lives local when he's in, in Jersey, and then we just kind of... You know, Rick would stop by, we'd talk, we'd run into each other, random places, you know, and that was pretty much, and, and since then, so let's go back, I want to go all the way back to being, so you grew up in Ewing, New Jersey? Yes. You were born in Trenton? Born in Trenton, yes. Born in Trenton, yeah. Yeah. so Ewing, Tom, so for anyone who knows, Ancient is, boy, yeah, yeah, it borders Trenton, it borders, you know, Pennsylvania, Princeton, Lawrenceville area, so it's, it's right down the road for me, and did you, geez, how did you? So you grew up in Ewing, which is a nice little blue-collar, I guess, kind of town. Um, did you start the martial arts as a young kid? I mean, what I remember we kind of well, touched as, on it the other yeah. day. So as a kid, I like many kids, but not so many then because we're mm-hmm. going way back, of course, right. to the 60s. But, <laughs> it was still uh, black and white TV. I had some, uh, some training, and it was influenced also by my older brother in uh, karate right. and, you know, a smattering kind of interest. And then in uh, high school, I got completely enamored with boxing. Was just I knew the history of every right. heavyweight champion from the beginning of there, yeah. you know the U.S. time period on, and uh, and so I had speed bags and uh, heavy bags in the garage. And uh, it, our neighbor was an ex-pro boxer, so learning some of that and just training in the boxing and that's at the time that Frazier and Ali were fighting. Right. You know, there was other great fighters. So I became enamored with the boxing part of things. Did you have a favorite boxer at that time? Well, at the time with Ali and Frazier, I actually was favoring Frazier at the time. (laughs) (laughs) I I really liked the way he moved and, you know, and, and, you know, his style and that left hook of his and that body motion and stuff. Right, right, right. But, you know, of course, Ali was phenomenal and great in so many ways. Um, So, and of course, at the same time, around the same time, uh, I knew about Bruce Lee from the Green Hornet and uh, watched that for that one season. And, Is that all uh, it was on? Was one season? Was, yeah, that was it. One, I'm not sure. One, I think I may have seen one. Have you ever seen that show, Tom? The Green Hornet? I've never watched a full one, no. I mean, I'm fully aware of it. But... Why didn't you watch a full one? 
that wasn't around either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you, but you there's YouTube anyways again. So, so yeah, I remember like uh, being on my bicycle and riding home real quick to go see the Green Hornet. That's you know, funny. So that kind of thing. Right. And then later on, of course, uh, was the show Kung Fu, which was a new kind of thing. Right. That, you know, I didn't really know about the Kung Fu part of it. Right. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. And then uh, to fast forward a little bit, right out of high school, I, I went to a drive-in theater and watched Bruce Lee's uh, Ch- uh, Fist of Fury and was so blown away. I was I just couldn't believe a human body could do or that. Move like you know? that, right? Like so many people, just blown away. And then probably a little while later, watched the uh, Chinese Connection as well. Right. And then at that point, it started. So you hadn't to, done martial arts yet. You were just screwing just around in your yard. Just the Just the boxing. And playing with kicks a little bit, right, that right. kind of thing. Making but, up But shit. nothing like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Nothing serious. We'll right, right. So uh, trying to learn some things from books is typical right. kid stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, it started in my head, started going, I really want to learn this. I, yeah. You know, I have to learn what he's doing. This art uh, just looks incredible. And, uh, you know, and of course people will say, well, how are you going to learn that? You can't learn as, you know. Right. And so learning about where his other people that he taught were in Los Angeles, Oakland, and uh, Seattle. I wound up in 1974, uh, later in 1974, which is just really a a year after uh, Bruce Lee died, going after probably six to nine months, maybe even a year of phone calls to uh, Sifu Taki Kimura. No How'd you he get would, his number? How, you know, how'd you even I, know who he I, was? I don't even remember how he got his number, and it was really weird looking back on it because everybody had house phones. And, right. And, and, and I would and call, you called him this guy I, randomly? I, I would call him every week. That's so funny. And, and He's he being was, stalked. He was the sweetest guy, <laughs> and he would talk to me, and... But he would. The same answer was over and over again. I only teach a group of my friends in small right. group here, right. and it's not so a pu- it's not a public kind of school. Right. And so, but you didn't take that for an answer. No, I call him back the <laughs> next week back. and talk to him again and Let's block uh, that number. You know, it was before technology, <laughs> it was very persistent. And so, right. over that period of time, eventually, my father saw me doing this over and over again, and he was, you know, one day he said. How about if I also get on the phone and, uh, you know, just talk to this gentleman for a moment? Right. And I said, well, sure. Um, and he spoke to him, and I spoke to him again. He said, well, it sounds like you're really a sincere person. Okay, come on out. No kidding. And, so, and you're what, 18? I was 19. 19. So I went out, and, uh, yeah, and that was the start of uh, That's a- the, the journey into these arts. Wow. And, uh, and uh, then I... After that, it was, of course, a great experience. He was phenomenal. And uh, How long did you train with Tacky? It was just a little bit of time. It was just, yeah, it wasn't a real long time. But the, the I can still remember, you know, all those lessons, the stance, how to stand, right. you know, the way they did punches in Seattle, which is totally different. Yeah, quite different. I have trained with Tacky yeah. and Andy. And, uh, yeah, it's completely different. Yeah. Great guy, by the way. Didn't he uh, just turn 90 or something like that? Yeah, he's 90-something. 90 90-something. 90 well, he's still and, up there. Uh, at the time I was out there, uh, Andy was two years old. Oh, wow. So That's so funny. Gives you, you perspective. I've heard, Tom, who was it who told us the story? Not unlike this, but they were, they were calling someone and the Back in the day, mm-hmm. it's so foreign today for people. That, oh, yeah. I Chris, called this Chris guy. Kent. It was it Chris uh, Kent. Dan. Yeah. It was calling Dan. Was that what it was? That's right. It was Chris Kent. Same. So yeah. he would call Dan, and then sort of the same thing. And yeah. You think now, like guy, like look, 
guys are meeting girls, they just message them. You can, I remember having to call a girl, and God forbid her dad answered the phone. <laughs> what do you want with my daughter? I'm like, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. So it was a different world, right? Because in that point in time, I, I had never even been on a, uh, a plane. Wow, so, yeah, yeah. so it was just like a huge you know, right. adventure now, when you were When you were boxing, did other people, kids your age, know that you were into boxing, doing this stuff? Or was this kind of like yeah, a some, secret? Some, my friends and things. Friends. And, did you get and my fights brothers, as a result of, of that? Or? Um not particularly, no. Nah. No. You weren't you're uh, not I mean, a controversial well, I, guy. Well it was no, I'm not confrontational. Then but that if I have to do you know, things out to Oh you can obviously but, yeah. Um but uh the people that I was hanging with in high school were the rougher crowd we'll say. You right. know, it was uh the, I was uh always hanging with people older than me and right. uh Ewing uh, was Fairly rough place, you know, on, as you said, on borderline of Trenton. Right. And there was a lot of crossover. And there was actually, when I was in uh, high school, they had also the uh, race riots and other things right. going on. Yeah. And they had a few of those at Ewing High and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all out fights and, Man. you know, chains and pipes came out and everything wow, at that time. Crazy, so, right? yeah. Before was, guns. Yeah, yeah. And there was so. real <laughs> fights on the corner. Now that you shoot you. So then you say so you. You trained with Tacky, and, and I, then for whatever the few times, and then where'd you go after that? I, I came back, and then I started, uh, uh, probably a month or two later, started commuting to New York three or four times a week and studying Wing Chun with uh, Duncan Leung and Alan Lee, mm-hmm. who had a little basement school uh, up on Great Jones Street in New York. And so I was, you know, dedicated to going there. Uh, you know, as I said, and when I would go there, uh, I would get there and I, they gave me a key to the school i'd open a school no kidding. and then i would stay there most of the training there was focused on you would do a half an hour in one shot of sealem dow and wow because the uh, the, the one part of sealem dow is very slow motion the rest of it's normal speed uh, but you spend 15 minutes on one hand uh doing the tonsil to the hoon right uh so that's half an hour standing in the uh, Yiji Kim Yang Moth dance. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then after that, it was like almost all Chi Sao. Wow. So you would just Chi Sao, Chi Sao. You know, did you would, enjoy that? Uh, I did. And I, I would go from like 1 o'clock in the afternoon till uh, leave about 6.30. So it was hours and hours wow. just doing that. Right. And in between those other days, I was just spending – I wasn't working at the time, so I was just spending hours and hours uh, training on Tra- my own, too. Solo command and mastery, we call it. Yeah, yes, just train so, right. Yeah. Which is pretty important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. don't you think when you train on your own, you have to do oh, that? Oh, absolutely. You, not always, you don't always have someone to play with. No, and you have to be creative, and you have to figure things out, and it's uh, you right. know, self-re- or self-reliance. You Were know, you so. a good note-taker? How did you remember this shit? Um, at the <laughs> at the time, I would take some notes, but the chi sounds kind of hard. You know, the, those things. Right. Are How do you hard write that down? That's why on. it's impossible to communicate. Um, yeah, yeah, it was learning by uh, people that were better than me, smacking me in the face constantly. Right. Because again, that wasn't a uh, a mild chi sao school. Because uh, Duncan Leung was quite a street fighter himself. Right. And uh, so his level of chi sao was like the heavier, harder form of chi sao. You know, mm. some people, uh, you know, very light touch. This right. was heavier stuff, and the guys that were in the school would then be heavy touch. So, you know, they're hitting you with palm strikes to the face pretty hard. Wow. And the uh, chest and everything. So um, so you learned while you're doing it. Right. <laughs> Quickly. Get immediate you know, response. Get tired of getting hit. And, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I told you the other day when I ran into you, we were talking, and Tom, this, you'll appreciate this story. I, I was training at Rick's school. He doesn't remember this, but uh, we are doing – I don't know what the hell we were doing. We were doing pads or something or maybe we were doing light sparring 
and I, I, you know, Rick says, you know, I, I obviously said, you know, keep your hands up, you know, and, and then he punched me right in the nose, <laughs> straight down, boom. And I was like, oh, shit, that's okay. But I keep my head, you learn real yeah, quick. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's a little tougher to do that today than back in yeah, the day, I guess, yeah. but right? That's for sure. Right. Yeah. So you were kept going up there, and then what What happens then? And then uh, I was taking, and then there was other guys that I, I was uh, seeing up there that, you know, had other styles of Kung Fu, right. Charlie Fut, and other uh, praying mantis. So I was picking up this and that, you know, from uh, other people. And then uh, on my own, because Wing Chun isn't so much on high kicks and things, I was doing a lot of stretching and kicking. And, and you know, uh, again, uh, from what I learned from Taki, uh, and then the Wing Chun, and then these other people, and then just on my own, you know, learning how to do high round kicks, side kicks, right. uh, you know, spin kicks, all that type of thing. And uh, training, again, a lot on my own, but then started to get into uh, some of the Filipino martial arts with a couple of people in New York. And, would uh, guys tell you about these other arts, or it was just through self? It was it was only like Black Belt Magazine or Inside Kung Fu. How did you learn about these other arts? Well, some people were advertising in, in Black Belt and Inside right. Kung Fu at that time because uh, I think the first issue of Inside Kung Fu was like seventy four. Black Belt was in the sixties, of course. So right. some people would put little blurbs or ads in, um, and I knew about the Filipino martial arts, uh, of course, from uh, Inosanto, and he had his book out, I think, in was like 78 or something like right. that. Um, and that's how you kind of so, stumbled um, apart. It so, I, it. yeah, I knew about it. I knew about Bruce Lee doing it in Enter the Dragon, of course. Right, and, right. And So anyway, I started getting a little bit of knowledge in that art. And, uh, and then a little later, uh, doing all these other things, I uh, hooked up with Paul Vunak mm-hmm. and, uh, and then became an instructor under Paul Vunak. In between all that, I went to ESI, the bodyguard school. I remember that. In, that was uh, a big deal. In Colorado. Does that even exist anymore? Do I don't know if it's still. It was a few years ago, but right. um, I'm not sure if it is now. Right. But it was, uh, it was a, you know, a great bodyguard school. You had right. to do a, a lot of home programs, and then you had to go out there and do, uh, you know, uh, taking cars out and a lot right. of shooting and uh, demolition stuff. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, a lot of different types of security things. And uh, I, I worked uh, as a, uh, you know, bodyguard for about a year. And uh, and in the same time period, I was teaching in Philadelphia and I was teaching in my basement. And, uh, and then in 87, decided, right. kind of fell on my lap to open... Why, Princeton why, Academy. Why did you start arts. to teach? How did that come about? I mean, was it the, just te- be- the, the teaching was really a way for me to train in the beginning because I, 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 I had no like strong right. people would say for years, "Why don't you open a school?" Yeah, you know, you're you're here in Philadelphia, Who, me? Yeah. and uh, I was teaching pretty large groups. I I would uh, I was just getting paid straight by the company. But I would have uh, – it would be a turnover every eight weeks or so, uh, but some people could stay on for a more advanced class. But I had uh, groups of like 40 adults in a, in a wow. show. Wow. And, and, you know, I still have some of the old papers where people would sign up. So it was large groups, and uh, I was really honing my teaching skills through yeah. doing that. And then in the basement, I would have 10 to 15 people at a time. So I had a lot of practice in teaching uh, right. and eventually the opportunity to – open something um how'd that come about did someone approach you with the property and well there was a i was teaching uh the johnson family of uh johnson and johnson Johnson. and johnson yeah. so and they had a foundation and they were opening a fitness center and so in uh they had a space and basically i started to rent that space um 
you know, at a good rate for me at the time. And then uh, it just kept growing from there. Um, you know, it started out with a, a room that was, uh, which you remember. Right, well. I was in. We used to call it the Blue Room, and that was <laughs> like uh, 900 square feet. And, right. uh, you know, it did have lockers and that type of thing, showers. Right. And then it eventually grew into 6,000 square feet, um, you yeah, know, taking they, over different sections And it, it used to host a lot of, sem- for example, you had in Santo or Chai or Larry and big mm-hmm. seminars. And what I found through the years, at least... I think in the U.S. the seminar circuit has died down compared to like in Europe. It's still pretty big, right, Tom? When you guys go out to do those seminars, there's still a good amount of people. When we go to Belgium, we go to Italy. There's we had, like we we were in Italy a couple of years ago. We had like Jesus, hundreds of people. But over in the U.S. Right. now, it's like ten yeah. people now. Yeah, no one goes. Everyone's it's, an expert. Yeah, yeah, it's it's much different. now. It is different. But, but you had you used to rent the Hun School, right? Right. Which is a big school, Tom, in Princeton. A private school, a top-notch private school. Rick, Rick would rent the gymnasium, and it was packed yeah, yeah. from people from all over. It was quite impressive. Yeah, that we had the biggest seminars. Uh, I think we had, like, for Santa several times, like 200 people. That's that's huge. And, uh, so, yeah, they were the biggest, I think, seminars definitely Absolutely. in the U.S. Uh, Without a doubt. And probably in Europe at that time as well. But we were drawing from all over and and princeton academy uh was kind of the east coast center for all these arts it was you know there really wasn't anything uh like that where you could get not at all there was uh you know the thing is that for whatever reason i I had the time i had the money and i had uh the desire to Mm -hmm. learn but not learn superficially from all these people it was to learn on a on a uh a deeper level and to That's sp- important, spend the time privately with him, which I'm grateful for. Uh, most people train in seminars or go to a few classes, but at the time I was training, you know, for like with Pendecker Paul de Torres, for instance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hours privately with him wow. and uh, Herman Sawana and Asila and uh, Punaguru Eger Saluti and Akali and uh, Dioni Kenyetti. I have uh, over 100 private hours with him. Wow, and, that's important. Uh, that is yeah. a whole different. Bob Bremer talks about that mm-hmm. uh, and spending a lot of time with Bruce in the backyard mm-hmm. and in yeah. the garage. Yeah. Uh, how much is that worth? Oh, it's incredible. It's I incredible. Mean, yeah, it's just, it's the whole difference. And we, Steve- we interviewed, or well, I interviewed Junie Cagnetti in um, the Philippines. I was there to do my black belt in the summer, so we got a little uh, show right. with him on. Oh, which was great! That's right. Yeah, right. That's funny. I used to uh, do the privates with him at a, a doctor's in New Jersey's house, and his doctor's name was Doctor Tabu Tabu. <laughs> I always like that name. <laughs> hey, Tabu Tabu, that's great. So, uh, did, did you do the cha cha with him? That's like his sort of trademark teaching thing. The what? The cha-cha? The cha-cha, like the, the, the music. So he, oh. sort of, he, he does all the Filipino stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yes. To, the, yes. to the music. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so much fun. Uh-huh. That's his, funny. And his favorite, his favorite lunch is uh, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny because that's Tom's favorite place to eat. Yeah, that's Tom? true. He yeah. loves KFC. You know it's not good for you, Tom. <laughs> if you get the memo. Yeah. <laughs> Too much of that fried chicken to kill you. But that's so great. So all those, and that's terrific. So you're tra- so was there a lot of that learning when you're training with a you know, one of these guys. Was there was it always martial arts or was it just discussion? Life was there like more to it? Than, well, with I'm, those particular people, uh, it was more martial arts. It was mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, you know, I was fanatical. We'll say. <laughs> they they were willing to teach me. I, I, I could I couldn't get enough of this stuff. Right and. Uh, 
on my own, I was always looking at the philosophies, and you know, I had my own things besides Bruce Lee's Dao, right, right. Chi Kundo, you know, different right. uh, things I was exploring. Um, but also, uh, I speaking of privates and things, I was also very fortunate to have a lot of private sessions with Sifu Dan and Asanto, right. which very few people get. Right. Very, very few people. And I even have a certificate saying that I was personally and privately trained by him. That's which amazing. Is, uh, yeah. A lot of people don't know. And, right. uh, you know, so and also uh, we were going out to L.A. anywhere from four to seven times a year. Um, right. And at one point in time, uh, Sifu Dan, uh, you know, s- said to a group of people at an instructor's camp that uh, that I had more hours in with him in that year than the people that lived in L.A. did. Wow. So, That's funny. Yeah. So That's it would great. go to every camp, every right. seminar. Would go to s- seminars in Europe with him in Paris and London mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, camps in Wisconsin and uh, Michigan and Minnesota and you name it. It was there. So Right. So when you're pulling all this stuff in from all these different artists, it, it sometimes opposite thing. how are you able – you were able to separate that – in your head, like I'm just doing Muay Thai, and no boxing slips in, <laughs> yeah. or you know what I'm saying, or wind. Ch- it's yeah. tough to compartmentalize that and keep yeah. that separate. You're able to do it. I, I was able to do it for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I could, you know, pretty much slip into that next mode right. uh, pretty easily. And and oh, I'm okay. I'm standing in front of Ajahn Chai now. I better be in that Thai mode. Thai fighter, not <laughs> yeah. a boxer. Yeah. yeah From exactly. South Philly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I could, uh, you know, and I had a good, uh, I guess, brain, whatever you want to call it, memory for, you know, memorizing these things. Mm-hmm. After a while, it became too much, though. After a while, it was uh, so many different um, arts with so many different things to remember. Right. Um, you know, there's enough, let's say, that... Uh, you know, Inosanto teaches alone with these different, oh, you know, it, that you have to know, yeah. you know, Villa Braille and Lacoste, this and, you know, uh, different instructors he's worked with. And then if you put on top of that, like the Lameco uh, with Edgar Saluti, he kept adding more and more uh, Kali drills. And then you have Herman Sawanda, who came out mm. with like 200 different drills for the hands. Oh and God. so so it started after a while. Then it did become. Was there a time you're like, yeah. Fuck! This is I can't do all this. <laughs> well, it became. Yeah. Was it a slow boil into it? Like, okay, yeah. I got to step. Yeah, back. I mean, I was fanatical, 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 right. and then it, you know, even it was too much for you. And then it became like, well, and I also didn't want to not do the best uh, f- under those instructors. You know what I mean? I didn't want. Right. Uh, I didn't want to pretend. Well, I know this thing, but I didn't know it. Right. You know, so it's a matter. You weren't. Of, you know, when you're going back. You weren't, when you were spending the time with these guys and was really studying, you were really into it for the knowledge and the growth. You weren't in, in it for that piece of paper. Uh, no. Right. No, no, I, I, yeah, right. No. Which is very yeah. important because yeah. so many people now, it's like, first question, how long till I'm an instructor or whatever it might be? And well, that's, yeah, that's a, a ridiculous p- question. That's a, you know, and as you're saying back then, you know, to get this stuff, even the students were fanatical because you couldn't, there was no sources. Uh, you know, you had right. to either, go to a seminar or you might find a video somewhere. Um, but there wasn't sources for this stuff. So it made people hungrier and willing to train harder. Um, you know, much different than having YouTube and, you know, people surfing the internet for little bits of information. Um, so yeah. So after a while it was, uh, it was getting to be, uh, overload as far as techniques, drills, that type of thing. Um, 
and representing so many people. And then there was other people that wanted me to represent him. It was like everybody that came was, oh, you want to represent me? Oh, yeah, right. And it's like, well, no, I have enough on my plate. I got enough, you know, yeah, enough shit yeah, going on. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't need any more problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. that's true. Now, so when you're teaching through the schools, I want to go into some things. At some point, before you had gotten uh, you moved on beyond the school, was there a point in time that you knew that you wanted to get out? Were you tired of teaching? Was there anything that kind of facilitated that? Or was it just, you know, I, I, was it like one day an epiphany or was it like over a period of time that? No, I think, um, it, you know, I, I sold the Academy in 2013 right. to Mike, uh, Mike Lee, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, was with me already at that point for almost 20 years. Was he there that long? Well, he started as a kid like in 93. Oh, my God. And, he might have been there. When yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and, so funny. Uh, so, uh, and, and, you know, uh, my ex-wife described him at that time as like the Chinese Harry Potter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, such a great description. But, uh, uh. you know, but over the years he, you know, developed and put a lot of time in and yeah, yeah, effort. So he, he was a good guy to, uh, pass along to. Pass to. Along, right. So to answer your question, um, in 2010, I had, uh, uh my first and only child, uh, a daughter, Elaria. And, um, so... That didn't necessarily have so much to do with it, but it was a point in time where it was like uh, sort of time to step back from, you know, the the business part. The the teaching uh, is, I you know, I still love teaching. Right. And I, I love to, you know, get somebody t- to to find that thing in them that can make them the best that they can be, you right. know. And uh, so I, I still love the teaching elements. It was after a while the business and all those other things to go with yeah. that and i'm sure as <laughs> I you feel know your pain. You, you know and i'm right i'm seeing how busy you are right. with these fights it's, and other things right. and, I, and i'm looking and i'm going man you have a lot of <laughs> i've got here. a lot of energy monster <laughs> energy no it's true we were talking i have talked about this because you at some point like that's the reason for the question like, do you lose the passion for teaching because of the business aspect of the of the business mm-hmm. like having to run that office having to collect money having to pay bills yeah you know, at some, it's, you know, it doesn't lose its magic. So, so temporarily. It was, yeah. So it wasn't the teaching. It it's more the business end of it, and and Which part of it nightmare. was, uh, you know, with uh, my wife and daughter, we wanted to uh, do a lot more traveling and and that type of thing. So, you know, with the business, it would make it difficult. So They're probably uh, impossible. You know, uh, yeah. So so it was a combination of things. It wasn't one day saying that's enough of this. It was it was over a period of time, and wanted to make sure that it was passed on to somebody. It wasn't going to change everything about it, and uh, right. you know, it, how, how did that? So, so, did Mike approach you? Was there a feeling out process? Uh, well, to make I, that happen. I, I guess because I, I approached a just a handful of people uh, that I thought might have an interest. Might have an interest. And right. Mike had a very good job in New York in uh, you know technologies, and it wasn't like he wasn't working or something. So he was making a good living. Right. And uh, but I think you know he was getting tired of commuting and sure. that whole thing. So it was a good opportunity for him as well. Right. And so when you approached him at one of the things, did he have to sit back on it? Was it something that he said, yeah, let's do it? No, it was, it was a process for him. Right. Yeah, it was, it took It is time. a big move. It's a yep. ballsy move, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. To go, hey, I got this big gig and now because gonna... not only was it, uh, you know, taking over the business, it was also moving the business to another right. location. Right, because you, so. you lost the old location. Yeah, so right. it was a matter of going also to another location. Right, and they also, by the way, the other part of it is is the fact that 
he's taking over an established business of which you were the face of. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a major problem. It is. <laughs> it, is. It's a, it is. Yeah, sure. Because you were the, you were people were buying into Princeton Academy of Martial Arts because of Rick Tucci, mm-hmm. not because of maybe someone who was an assistant right. helping out. Right. Right. So yeah. that's a big but the transition seems to have worked. He's got a successful gym it, and it's yeah. doing well. Yes. It's you know, it's not a Exactly the same, but you wouldn't expect it to be exactly the same. Of course, and, different and, personality. You know, he has a, a lot more children's programs, and I never, I never taught a kids program in my life. So, uh, <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not built for it. That's probably true. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So then, uh, so he's taking on. It's changing. Actually, one of the things that we wanted to, I wanted to mention to you is when I had asked you one time, I don't know if you remember, could the Princeton Academy of Martial Arts exist now i know it does but in the form that you were doing it now could could it be started from scratch creating that same model with all that unique stuff going on in the market today not that the shit ain't cool mm-hmm. but i'm just saying in the market would it sustain well i i think like anything uh, you know things change over time but i think the the thing that doesn't change over time is quality right. and maybe people you know now aren't as impassioned for quality will say some of uh, you know oh, you not just... to sound like an old person but, <laughs> but you know they may not be as driven for quality but i think that always shines through and if you're offering something of quality right i think that's the bottom line i don't know that it, you know whether it's uh, you want to teach lot or you want to teach uh you know mixed martial arts whatever it is right. if you're doing a good job and you're authentic and you're being real with people right. i think that the success will be there I don't know that it would come up exactly the same way or yeah. be that same format. Um, it was a time period of so much uniqueness and so, much, so many things coming out at the same time. So it would be right. I think I think it would be difficult. I mean, yeah. people come in and, and and they call me and they they just want to do boxing or whatever. They don't mm-hmm. know they want to be an MMA star, and they don't even know all this cool stuff exists. Right. Quite often, I, I got to tell you, we talk about quality and stuff. Hardly anyone goes to the website. <laughs> they yeah. type in whatever, gyms near me, karate or whatever it is. I come up and I'll always ask, did you go on the website? Now I just got the number. I can tell them anything. They don't ask my certification. They do, do zero research yeah. about anything like that. They just want to come in and work out. Yeah. Hence, it leads to the fact that people with less quality, less than top standards can have a hugely successful gym right. with minimal qualifications. You are correct on that. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. It's, uh, yeah, the certification thing is really now, speaking of that, yeah, minimize, (laughs) minimize. It really, you know, at that time it was like, oh, who you trained under? And that was an important factor, you know, that you had some uh, lineage to someone. Sure, which is important. Yeah, now it's just, is this a good place to train? You know, is it it decent? Is it it close to me? Whatever, all those things. Right, because people would travel, you would travel there, people would travel to you to train. Yeah. Right, and and now it's 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 within driving distance. Also, another issue is that people can get some piece of paper, whatever that art or system is, go somewhere for two weeks, Mm -hmm. come back with an instructor certification. Right. Now, I don't give a shit how much, if I spent eight hours a day with you for two weeks, Let's say, which is a good amount of time, I shouldn't be certified in anything. Right. I I've, I got thrown a lot of shit at me, mm-hmm. and I, I have to kind of filter this out. Oh, yeah. How am I going to be proficient in communicating that to another individual? I won't be very proficient at it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But, but you would give me that piece of paper but and you, I can teach Kung but, Fu. You know, that's happened. That's what's right. that's happened in JKD. Totally. There's, it's the quality is not there it's and there's people that are certified and right. hundreds now probably that are instructors in right. uh, Europe and the US uh that, you know, just in my opinion, and it's my opinion right. alone, uh, mine too. Are, aren't aren't qualified <laughs> right. uh, and don't even really have a clue as to authentic JKD or what Bruce Lee was even saying. It's more like, you know, uh, I have a few drills and this is the structure of JKD and, you know, which to me is completely not it. Not that, it it wasn't it for Bruce Lee, obviously. All you have to do is look at what he was saying. Right, right. So... That's no, it. it's it's very true. And I mean, especially with that in the JKD world, that has really just gotten so watered down. I've talked mm-hmm. about that with my counterparts, that with Tack and other people I, I'm, I'm friendly with, and I watch guys and videos and stuff and all these certifications. Going, oh my god, it almost got it almost has gotten to the point where I don't even want to say I do JKD or yeah. whatever my version yeah. of from Tack. No, yeah, no, it's you know, a, it's, under, it's, it's understandable. Watered down, it's like, yeah. that shit, and it's such a shame because uh, right. it's. Um, it's really at this point it's become a system so it's no different than any other system because now it's being structured as a system and everything is you know this series that series you know do you have the one two counter uh, right. series do you have the one two attack series do you have the uh, sidekick counter series do you have a round kick side so all these things with numbers to them what would make that different than a, another system and right. you know bruce lee Totally against systems, totally radical, uh, right. you know, was so outside system. Everything he said was, you know, uh, uh, anti-system. Right. And uh, Now it's so, a system. Yeah. And so, you know, when it becomes that type of uh, thing and people are using that and are teaching that, well, yes, you're teaching a system and that's fine, but that's not certainly Bruce Lee. Right. No, no, no. Without a, do you think the further away that it has gotten from the source – meaning from Bruce to Dan to you, subsequent generations, that it'll eventually die because the quality won't be there. There well, might be a handful of jokers that might be good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's probably... It's already there. Well, if it's if it's not dead, it probably needs to be intensive care unit right now. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which so. is, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's, uh, yeah, because... Without the underlying philosophies of Bruce Lee and without the quality control even of – the philosophies are quite deep, right? You you have this combination of Taoism and Zen and Buddhism and uh, Krishnamurti, Mm -hmm. which was a big influence on Bruce Lee. You know, without that underlying principles uh, carrying over into the physical part of the art, yes, the quality has gone. I forget where I read this, and maybe a Zen book or you know somewhere. It was the uh, if the student isn't twice as good as the teacher, the art is lost. Oh, that's which, good. Which Would is interesting. That is interesting. And, and I don't remember where. That's brilliant. But if that's the case, <laughs> <laughs> it's dead. It's it's pretty tough. But you know, people chasing the certifications, and I understand that people want that attachment to Bruce Lee. They want Absolutely. that lineage. It and, is important. You know, everybody enjoys that. But these other parts of JKD, the underlying parts that drive the outer parts, it it is lost. It it, it becomes nothing more than another system. So I have to say, backing up a little bit, is like my real loyalty lies with Bruce Lee and what he was doing. So I respect certainly my instructors. I I love them. I love what they taught me. 
but my ro- real loyalty, because I wouldn't have been into these arts if it weren't for Bruce Lee. Right. Thousands and millions of other people wouldn't have been into the martial Correct. arts if it wasn't for Bruce Lee. The other day I was talking to uh, Matt Pauley, the, uh, the writer of the Bruce Lee biography that's out now. Right. And, how, uh, how was that? It was great. And he, uh, uh, he was talking uh, you know, about after Enter the Dragon and how many people got into martial arts. And he was you know, giving his perspective of you know, the evolution after, you know, say, Enter the Dragon and Bruce Lee and where the arts went and even the UFC and how maybe even that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the foundations sure. that Bruce Lee uh, laid down and the popularity of martial arts. Yeah, so, uh, you know, for me, the JKD is about Bruce Lee and honoring what he said. And, uh, you know, the art is living on with what he did, certainly, and what he said and what he laid down on film or put into interviews. But that's kind of like saying that Van Gogh's art lives in the museum and uh, you can go look at his paintings (laughs) and... uh, or whoever, Rembrandt or something, right. but, um, or John Lennon in music. But the aliveness of the art and the, uh, the practice of the art is what's you know, certainly being diminished right. and no, uh, is a real problem. Oh, a total problem. I don't know if that'll be fixed. Probably not. <laughs> but, no. So no. since now, since you sold the Academy, you've been out, you've been doing what? I've been... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to know. I've been like, doing lots of traveling. Uh, we spent... Quite a few months of uh, each year that I've sold it in uh, Europe. You know, we would go for three or four months at a time, basically live over there. Did you have a, a, Did you just say, okay, we're just going to land in Peru and just go walk about? Yeah. Costa Rica right. and the United different places in the United States. So, yeah, if we've been traveling a lot and uh, not just taking a trip for a week or so. It's Always usually been a while, it's yeah. extended stays in places. Was that always and, something that you wanted to do? Well, I always loved traveling and right. traveled a lot since uh, you know since my first flight out to Seattle. Right, that was that was the beginning, and I never stopped since. Um, but we wanted our daughter to experience other cultures mm-hmm. and other languages and all that stuff. And your um, daughter is homeschooled, so that's what allows you to do that. Yes, she's homeschooled, right. and then. I do some workshops and seminars and uh, you know, some, some private, money. <laughs> pri- private teaching. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so when we're in Sweden, I still will do a, a seminar. And, years, you know, yeah. and I was used, not anymore right now, but I used to do seminars in Switzerland and Paris and Belgium and, you know, different, right. different places right, over right. there. And so now if, you know, someone would like a private lesson or a couple people or uh, group workshops or seminars, I'll do, do I'll do that. Right, yeah. Right. It's done on my way of teaching, not not following the paint by number, uh, right. you know, system of teaching, and it's you know it's the JKD thing is really just uh, you know become a regurgitation of the same material. So if you go to one Ooh, instructor, one place, right. it's going to be the same regurgitation, right. and it's no free thinking, no analysis, no even looking at what Bruce Lee said. I mean, if you look at the early like you, you work with Tim Tackett, who's right. an early guy, and or you talk with Chris Kent or some of the people that are earlier on, they have a different view of things. Totally. You know, and I wish that I had talked to people like Ted Wong. You know, I, cl- I kind of closed that off because I was following my loyalties uh, in one direction, but I would have right. liked to have more time with people, other people that were spent time with Bruce. But even if you look at the... Uh, 
the early books, posters and such, you will see people in a quite a different stance, for instance, right. than they are now. The, you know, you had that a bit of elongated raised heel in the back, uh, you know, that strong side forward. Not mm-hmm. that in a fight you always get those choices. Right. Uh, you know, you get attacked from any direction. Sure. But, but the point is that most people now, most of the people I know as instructors, are left lead. Their stance looks somewhere between Muay Thai and boxing. boxing. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. You know, it doesn't have that uh, way that it was being trained right, or, right. or the elements or the principles that were being trained back with the early guys. Right, right. So, not sure why or how that happened, but it did. Yeah, who, yeah. who knows? Yeah. So then, what thing? So you, we were talking to me the other day about philosophy and study. You, you study a lot. You like learning. Yeah. So is there a particular? And you told. I think you were somewhere. You were telling me you, oh, some some form of Buddhism or something that was prior to Buddhism. Yeah, there's a. You know, everybody knows Tibetan Buddhism, right? Um, but there's a, a a tradition there that's much earlier. It's called Bone. And bone. B O N. But yeah, uh, so that predates uh, Tibetan Buddhism by like thousands of years. Really? So it's very early, and a lot of the things that uh, are in the Tibetan Buddhism came from this bone tradition. Oh. So we're good friends with a uh, very high-level monk uh, from Nepal mm-hmm. and <laughs> has a monastery That's over so there. And <laughs> yeah. yes, I did some learning with him. Right. You know, I've studied a lot of different things, a little bit of development developmental psychology, mm-hmm. some brain science, right. a lot of herbal and different uh, things for the body, health uh, right. things for the body, a whole lot of different things, even shamanism and, you mm-hmm. know, traveled to Peru and trained with uh, shamans in Peru mm-hmm. in the Andy mountains. And Did you find that as rewarding as you do the martial arts? It's a different journey. In, in a different way. Because different, but it's rewarding. I mean, obviously you're yes, enjoying it. Yeah. Right. yeah. In a different way. Um, again, it's the... Uh, the deeper roots of who we are and right. you know uh you know beyond you know the punching and kicking which one day will go away right and That's so, uh, <laughs> so you're right so you go the evolution is there you're, you're a young guy you're full of piss and vinegar and you're mm-hmm. you want to kick it right and you're learning yeah. as we uh mature it slightly changes yeah right. and you see that with a lot of people you know like whether it's uh, musashi who mm-hmm. you know retreated to the caves and did his writings of <laughs> right. uh, you know the the book of five rings which is actually the book of five elements or whatever right. yushiba to some degree mm-hmm. and different different people who would you know bruce lee was sort of doing that at a very early age very early age I very mean, shocking yeah i mean this you know the Areas he was pulling from, some people say, well, he wasn't a philosopher in himself. Well, he's pretty young and didn't create a philosophy, but the areas he was pulling from were quite brilliant. Absolutely. And applying and uh, influencing people with right. these philosophies. I mean, I went on to, I never knew who Krishnamurti was until obviously Bruce, I forgot what it known, but yeah, he was, yeah. and I went and bought his, a bunch of books and readings yeah. on him yep. to learn. Hey, well, what, yeah. he was pulling something from, what can I pull from him? Yeah. You know? And if you look at Krishnamurti stuff, he was like, you know, do away with all authority. I mean, he was quite radical. He was. Yeah. Uh, super radical. Negate all authority and uh, <laughs> it's all, you know, you right. and don't look to any authority for anything outside of something that may be technical. You know, you have to learn how to fly a plane. So you You can't just go, well, Christian Marty's. But that's what Bruce Lee was saying. And and of course, when he wrote his articles and things and in the sixties, black belt, of course, people were like pissed off at him. Yeah. Other instructors were like, who's this asshole? That's, you know, writing this stuff. He doesn't know what he's talking (laughs) about. Blah, blah, blah. So, right. Yeah. It's radical stuff. It is. And, uh, 
One of the things I like quote from Krishnamurti is, uh, truth is that which thought can't think about, and reality is that which thought can think about. That's good. Which, which makes you think. <laughs> makes you think. <laughs> so it's deep. It, you know? it is. It is really deep. Right. So is there someone outside of that that you – is there a particular philosophy that you like more than another? You're just kind of in, in, interested in the whole big – Yeah. Thing. No, it's uh, – open to everything. For, yeah. I'm open to everything. Me yeah. too. And, and, yeah. It's, and it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, I, I don't you know say I adhere to any one thing. Right. But I like this self-reliance of uh, the stuff that Bruce Lee was talking about and Krishnamurti certainly was. And I think that's a lot of where he was pulling things from. And uh, so the whole idea of truth in combat and doing away with all the uh, superfluous things and Mm -hmm. at that moment of, as Krishnamurti is saying, truth is that which thought can't think about. So if, you know, something happens in that moment, it's already happened. It's already You're happened. not reflecting on that. Not at all. It, it, it just happens. That's so brilliant. You know, yeah. and from the brain science part of it, which I enjoy, is that the uh, the limbic part of the brain is can process five things at the same time, whereas the prefrontal cortex can only process, like, you know, seven-digit number mm. and barely do that sometimes. Right, right. And, and it has to reflect on things. So if you're in combat, it really needs to come from that limbic Absolutely. system right. on an unconscious level because, right. if, as you know, if you're not responding immediately, and, and I, that's what Bruce Lee was saying, right? If you have these preconceived ideas, you have these structures, and you're trying to impose these structures on what's happening at that moment, a knife attack is coming to my belly. Okay, should I go outside <laughs> or dead. inside? Yeah, I mean, it has <laughs> right. to come from that limbic system. And, right, right. Uh, and it, it's in your body, it'll happen but if it's not right it may not happen right. but there's no guarantees no so so after all so what's next i mean i know you're set to maybe travel again shortly right mm-hmm. and is there another big thing that you want to follow you're just kind of coasting along now and just well, enjoying I, I, life and your daughter and your wife well as i said uh, i'm you know i have a couple workshops coming up one will be in sweden one is in uh, northern new jersey coming up at uh, caesar Oliveria yeah. school and they'll probably be another one at uh, Mike Wolfert's place, mm. another one of my ex-students that opened a place. And then I'm going to, you know, in this and, and my own research is always to bring these elements out to people and, and try to maintain that high quality of uh, not just go out. For me, a workshop or seminar is not, again, going to go out and regurgitate the round kick counters and yeah, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. It's got to be how can you get into this individual's psyche right. and that's so them, important and, and bring out the best. It's like what you do if you have a fighter, right? Right. So you can do that on that personal level, bring the best out of that fighter and what they need to go into a fight. Yeah. So even if you have a group of people within reason, you can do that, but it, it has to be done the correct way. It's easy to go out and say, you know, okay, here you go. Catch a jab, shoulder rolls, and cross. Probably you do this, do. you know, yeah. and that's the easiest way to teach. Right, and it's easy to certify people, and uh, that's why you know I certified so few people in my life. I mean, right. you know, incredibly low amount. Yeah, yeah. And and some of the people I did certify, basically, I broke away from them because right. they just weren't, you know, doing it for right. me. Right, right. So I probably lost a lot of money. Oh, well, I know I lost a lot of money. No doubt, you by did. not doing that. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, I could have had you know. 
50 instructors in Europe, you know, easily. Oh, without a doubt. And, and been making you know, bank that just keep, paying every you know, month. Yeah, doing all this <laughs> stuff. But, you know, that's not, right. that's not what I'm about. No, it's so, not. I don't know. And the other thing I was actually doing, do you have, would you go back and do anything different? And I think you started to touch on in your training, in your life. Would you change anything? As far Regrets. as like the, the, the training research and dedication, you know, I don't think I would change much there. I think what, you know, some of the things that may change is, but at the time, you wouldn't, I don't, you wouldn't have the wisdom that you of have course. as you get older. So right. I would look back and go, man, I should have been a little more compassionate to that person. Yeah, right. No, I, I, I got should, it. Yeah. I should have had more understanding. Of, right, right. You know, there, what I would term certainly at that time are their weaknesses, right? right. Because as you said, I was pretty hardcore. Right. And, Which was and good. Because, you know, I was hardcore of myself. Right. And then I'd be hardcore on other people. Maybe everyone wasn't ready for that, right? So right. I probably could have had a little more understanding <laughs> of of some of that, um, you know. So. But I, but it, it but that's I think that's just how right. You go back. Well, could I? Have done? Yeah, sure. But there's a whole totality of circumstances yeah. that come into that. But you know. But that's it. But that's, I mean, it, as far as the tra- now, you did say like you would have maybe spent more time with some of the other original guys, maybe. Yeah, that would be something that right. you know. I wish. Uh, you know, that I did and was more open to because it was kind of like the lines were drawn. It was unspoken, but spoken in a way right. that, you know, it was like, here's this lineage and then we don't leave it. And then, you know, right. these other people, you know, for whatever reason should be pushed on the sides. And, you know, I was kind of buying into that and, uh, I you do know, through that. my loyalties. Right. And, kind um, of ironic. I mean, when I was yeah. in Seattle for the Bruce Lee Foundation in 2008, I may have shared this with you, and there was from Tacky all the way up to, you know, you had Poti, Tackett, uh, Bustilio, blah, blah, blah. Dan was not there. But there was a whole host of people throughout the lease, and, and there are groups of people. What I thought was fascinating is that most of the groups only trained with their instructor. Yeah. So, like, if you were, uh, I, I don't remember who did what, but I yeah. just remember this specific, let's say you were a Poti guy, you didn't train with a Wong guy. The one mm-hmm. guy I didn't train, right? And I personally trained with everybody and, and Tackett's group throughout the whole thing. Just because we were, first of all, we wanted to, and that was how we approached it. Yeah. And Tim didn't take that. Now, I'm not sure anyone was directed or anything like that, but I just found that rather interesting. Because in the JKD world, we're supposed to be open to the shit. Yeah. It was much more closed than I ever could have imagined. Yeah, and that's, and that's part of the thing that I think keeps people from kept people from exploring these other because everybody anybody trained with bruce lee has their own experience totally and, uh, anybody trains with you would have right. their own perspective on right. that and and that goes you know not one person would have the answer because person who's passing down the art has a perspective on it and some people say all perspective is all is is your own projection so you know you have your own mental influence on whatever you're seeing right. and doing so so by saying only this person can pass an art down kind of is putting that limitation on. Totally. And it would have been interesting to uh, talk to some of these other people more, see what they had to say. Well, look, Rick, thank you so much for coming to a primal radio. I really yeah. appreciate it. We lost Thank Tom you. because of the a connection issue. Oh. So, sometimes he's quiet, but that was okay. why he, there was an issue, so Tom kind of disappeared. But anyway, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you. And being a part. So anything you want to promote? RickTucci.com? RickTucci.com. Thank you for that. And uh, I, always <laughs> forget, where, I always forget. I'm the, the business guy. <laughs> yeah, you're the business guy. Thank RickTucci.com. If you need to get a hold of Rick yeah, and you want to uh, set up a seminar training or something like that, fine. he's a wealth of information 
world-class martial arts, one of the best there ever was. And I, I don't say that lightly. And uh, you're listening to Primal Radio. We'll see you next week. Peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.